Welcome to InsureTech Bytes, the podcast for the future of insurance. We bring you the latest developments in insurance with exclusive interviews with the industry's trailblazers. No hype, no pie in the sky. We want to know what's on your mind, so tweet us at InsureTech Rising. Hi, I'm Rocío Sarriegui, editor of InsureTech Rising. It's hard to deny that AI is changing the insurance industry. Many incumbents and a startup alike are embracing this technology, but how can you make sure it's effective right now? Here we bring a panel from InsurTech Rising US, AI for Impact delivering value in the near term. Moderating is Steve Petre, venture partner at World Innovation Lab, and the panelists are Jeremy Smith, CEO of Risk Genius, Adrian Rands, founder and chairman of Quantemplate, Jerry Gupta, SVC at Swiss Re, and Alex Baldenko, lead data scientist at Mass Mutual. We really hope you, you enjoy this panel. Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, so we were scheduled to be done about now, and we're scheduled for 20 minutes, so we'll try and uh, crack through this as quickly as we can um, and stay on at least our allotted time slot. Um, introductions to keep them quick I'll do it and do it for everybody my name is Steve Pretry um, I am a three-time InsureTech veteran so I've done uh, started out as the first product manager and marketing person at RMS back in the very early stages there um, spent a number of years at a company called Assurion which does all the handset insurance um, through the wireless carriers helped grow that company from a few hundred million dollars in revenue to about north of five billion over a five-year period um, after that was the CEO and original co-founder at Metro Mile. Um, and about the time that I needed reading glasses, decided that I had aged out of the uh, CEO startup demographic um, and have now moved to the venture side. I lead financial services and insurance investing for World Innovation Labs. It's a four-year-old venture capital firm um, with about $800 million under management um, and offices in Palo Alto and Tokyo. Um, so for our panel today, um, and I'll just read to keep it going quickly, um, we have Adrian Rands, he's the founder and chairman at Quantemplate, where they're using AI to normalize data in the program and wholesale segments of the market to enable more effective analytics and risk quantification. Um, Jerry Gupta is an SVP at Swiss Re, where he is leading PNC research and innovation efforts across cyber, big data, and emerging technologies. Um, Jeremy Smith is the CEO at Risk Genius, where they're using AI to enhance underwriting of specialty commercial insurance by interpreting policy language across the entire portfolio to score and identify the optimal language for specific coverage clauses. And Alex Baldi. Baldinko um, leads data science for MassMutual to apply AI to optimize customer acquisition and conversion through their agent channels. So that is our panel that we have. Um, I thought I would start out with um, kind of a top-level question of, you know, is AI going to basically create a mass extinction of jobs in the insur insurance industry by um, automating the insurance value chain and see what people think about that. Jerry, maybe you could start us off. So, Steve, thank you. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, so to answer your question, I think the answer is in the long term, yes, right? But in the short term, uh, probably not, because if you look at the insurance value chain and you look at, you know, underwriting, so acquisition, underwriting, claims, so on and so forth, 
we are seeing different adoption of AI across the whole value chain. In, in claims, uh, you know, the straight through processing is about 20% right now, uh, but there are already um, vendors talking about accuracy rates improving, and so uh, people are projecting up to 80% um, uh, straight through processing. That will definitely have an impact. In underwriting, for the pricing function, there's probably more scope for uh, AI, uh, but for the uh, capital allocation uh, type activities, probably not. So I think underwriting is the area where um, there's the most amount of fuzziness, I would say. And then from a customer acquisition point of view, uh, I think uh, we are already seeing a high level of AI usage in some segments, but for the cognitive engagement piece, uh, there's still a lot to be done. And so in the short term, and, and we saw some of the demos today, yeah. chatbots and stuff. So I, th I, think, I think eventually, yes, um, but it'll be gradual. Yeah, and I would uh, I would agree with that to a large extent. And I actually think there is going to be in the, you know, I can't remember some famous economist said in the long run we'll all be dead. So <laughs> I don't think about that that far ahead into the the long run. But at least for the short and medium term, I actually think AI is not only won't it make people extinct, but it's actually going to dramatically improve their jobs uh, and their job satisfaction. Uh, because what's going to happen is it's going to take a lot of the lower mid-level stuff that people have to do, you know, automated dumb software can't really solve. Um, and so the only one who can do it is people who are really up here, but they got to dip down here a little bit, take care of that stuff, and then get to what they really like and where they add the most value. Um, AI will take care of that lower mid-level stuff and let them add the most value to their organizations, to their clients, and really do the stuff that they enjoy more because it involves more of their brain. So. Um Maybe, what's a specific example of how you're helping underwriters do that? Yeah, so uh, one example, we, you know, our AI understands insurance language, it reads through policies, atomizes them into their clauses, and then categorizes those clauses. And so what people have to do if, essentially, if they want to, product people want to compare language, or underwriters want to know uh, if they have a drone exclusion uh, for, you know, Middle Eastern hotels, is they have to email around to colleagues, they have to dig through their memory, they have to open 40 documents to try to find the right one that they think had the right language and spend literally hours across days trying to just find that clause, that little bit of language literally that, that long uh, that will get them what they need. Now they can literally just type uh, war exclusion with terrorism and, and uh, insurrections hit enter, and Rich Genius pulls it up right there, done. Goes from two weeks to 20 seconds, and they can now focus on the higher level part of their jobs. Absolutely. So it may come as a bit of a surprise, but the insurance industry has already been um, disrupted with technology. When I started in the Lloyds market, my original boss said that the 1980s, when they brought the fax machine, turned the industry on its head. Um, at the time, roughly 10% um, of the headcount in that broking firm um, were working on the telex machines. And so they brought the fax machine, which allowed everybody to communicate with their clients. Um, and so there was an expectation that there was going to be mass redundancies. What actually happened was most of those telex staff who were familiar with what the industry was, they moved into client-facing roles, um, account executive roles, and providing better service to clients. And the companies themselves, they all grew um, substantially um, because competition was, was increasing. 
Um, I ran some numbers before the session, and um, it, it turns out that insurance is already relatively efficient compared to the technology industry. So if you look at um, the, the headcount at Google, they have 88,000 um, employees generating an average of about 350,000 um, revenue per head. Um, that compares to 56,000 employees at AIG, um, who generate about 900,000 of premium. So I think we need to look at things on a, on a relative basis. And um, to Jeremy's point, um, our clients use, um, use Quantumplate to, to automate data. Um, typically, that doesn't remove people from their jobs entirely. We've got a, a client in, in Europe, and they have a team of life actuaries who traditionally would do a roll-up of the global book every month. And it would take a full working week. Um, that's reduced down to a couple of hours now. So the main part is fully automated, and then they just do the acceptance work over a couple of hours. And that really frees up the, you know, the high-cost actuaries to be doing what they do best, which is trying to work out if they can price better. So I think it's, it's not really a case of um, demolishing the industry as we know it now. It's just making individuals more focused on what matters, understanding risk, customer service, and, and really delivering a better, better product overall. Um, so when you guys think about AI in the insurance value chain, so across customer acquisition, underwriting and pricing, claims processing, and then even risk mitigation or loss control, where do you think it's going to ha AI is going to have the greatest impact, and how does that differ kind of near term versus the longer term? And Alex, why don't you give us a perspective from the life side? Yeah, so I think um, from my perspective, which is in line with I think what everyone's saying up here is the, the key to that answer is putting machine learning at the core of a business problem as opposed to considering it a separate research initiative. Um, I think that's going throughout the, the talks this, these past couple of days. Um, so what that means is the decisions we make at Mass Mutual Life Insurer, for example, um, on where we spend our time are really more important than um, just hypothesizing where there'll be value. So where we're starting in the near term with customer acquisition is routing leads to the most appropriate channel and then to the most appropriate agent, um, trying to create a mutually beneficial experience where client, potential clients get the digital experience they, they uh, expect in 2018 uh, and agents get potential clients that they're more likely to close. So this is pushing the needle for us um, further down the chain in, in underwriting, our mortality risk model, um, which we built using MassMutual's large data asset, uh, in the near term is reducing time to approval to such a degree that the, the, the policy not taken rate has decreased by 30% since we've started that. That's a, that's a near term gain. But in the long term, we hope to see significantly reduced claims experience. I'll keep it short. We have a really long time to go. Anyone else have kind of thoughts on that piece of it? No, I think I think I, I agree with that assessment, right? But to be a little bit more specific, you know, if you, if you again looking at the insurance value chain, um, the the tail really is in the uh, the operations, the organization, the the expense piece of it, right? So I think um, carriers are looking at underwriting, automating or not automating, but using AI and underwriting underwriting for better pricing decisions. They're not looking for that as a cost reduction, they're looking at it as better decision making, right? But when they look at cost reduction or, or LAE reduction, they really are looking at claims, right? Where, um, you know, one of their, uh, they want to say, hey, uh, 
NatGAT has a big impact on our peak capacity. Can we do something there, right? Uh, can we do more straight through processing? And again, I, I concur with others, it's not a mechanism to, to eliminate workforce. It's a mechanism to augment workforce where uh, they're doing their job better, uh, they're, they're assessing better, but also the organization is not um, subject to those peak loads and things of that nature. But eventually, like I said, you know, claims is one area where we will see some significant impact. Right. Yeah, and just uh, uh, drilling down a little bit on something I said earlier, which is, you know, where, where I think AI generally is going to have the most impact, really uh, across any any of those areas, is wherever some degree of decision making is required, right? At the, a lot of people talk about AI kind of starting with the lowest level tasks, the simplest roadest sort of uh, items out there to do and then working its way up. But you don't need AI down at the bottom. You just need software. That's it, that, you know, rules-based software. And that'll take care of this stuff that has very few exceptions. And then humans still need to be at the top with the most complex things. Where AI comes in, in any of those areas, underwriting, claims, whatever it might be, is in the middle part where some degree of judgment is needed, some degree of decision-making where things aren't always clear. And so really across that, that whole segment, or across all of those segments, um, it, it's really where decisions need to be made and life is a little messier than a simple rule. Well, the, the biggest impact I think is, is quite subjective, um, but clearly the most immediate impact is in the data space. Um, in this digitized world, uh, all of the systems that we look at are reliant on good quality data and reliable and available. And um, the AI that's used to clean up that data and to automate its conversion from, from source format to recipient format is really the first starting point in any quantitative um, or, or automated process. So when you um, look across the segments, so thinking about personal lines versus commercial lines, and even on commercial lines, thinking about some of the, the larger, more complex types of risk versus life, or segments like that, where within the industry do you think there's the most potential for AI to have a massive impact in the way we do business? So, so if you look at commercial versus personal, there are different dynamics. Commercial insurance by itself has a little bit more interaction, uh, different kind of risk uh, than the personal lines. But if you look at the you know, uh, uh, risk assessment, uh, risk management, and risk mitigation, uh, commercial lines lend themselves well to AI type scenarios. And specifically, by that I mean IoT. Uh, IoT adoption uh, has a much better use case when it comes to commercial applications as opposed to uh, personal users. So I think from that perspective, uh, commercial has a, uh, has a lead mm -hmm. and has a higher near-term opportunity in using AI in conjunction with IoT to um, optimize their uh, risk profile. And uh, just continuing to beat my dead horse, uh, I think where there is more complexity and less standardization is where AI will be most useful. And so commercial um, and specialty are, are those areas where it's not essentially just the same thing every single time and you're just putting in a different company's name and a different uh, limit and then move on next one. There's a lot of 
customization and nuance uh, that, that comes with that space. And again, that's where then decision making and rule breaking and all the things that AI is going to be good at um, really comes into, into play. So commercial and specialty. Yeah, and, and I, would, I would second that. Um, I mean, the commercial, commercial line space has got um, by far the biggest uh, cost ratio of any of the different sectors. And um, the easiest way to, to measure the success of, of an automation project or um, making uh, business efficiencies is on the cost reductions. Um, so this, Jerry and Alex, as you're looking at implementing these AI solutions, how much are you guys thinking about partnering with an external uh, insure tech company to bring the new technology or expertise in-house that way versus building internal teams to go and attack these areas and build kind of unique in-house solutions? Yeah, sure. Um, I think we've made a, a, at MassMutual a significant investment in internal solutions. Um, with that said, there's, there's obviously a large opportunity to partner. Um, we have a couple of things going, but right now we're in the near, right, this is maybe a near-term versus long-term uh, discussion point. Uh, in the near-term, we're deriving huge value from our internal team. Yeah, so, so you know, as an, we, we, we call ourselves a knowledge company, uh, Swissery does, and I think um, we realize that in order to be a knowledge company, we need to have uh, substantial knowledge around AI, machine learning internally. Mm -hmm. So we have a very strong, very robust uh, AI program within Swissery. But at the same time, we also recognize that we can do everything ourselves. So we do partner with um, smart insurtechs um, and even larger companies uh, who have domain expertise on a selected basis. Yeah. So what are the biggest kind of near-term barriers to AI delivering on its promise insurers, and what can companies do to overcome that? So can I take this one first? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, so, you know, I, I think uh, th this is a really interesting question, and, and, and we have constant debates. So if you, if you ignore the conventional wisdom, which, by the way, is accurate, which is, uh, you know, availability of data and talent, I think what we are finding, two of the biggest challenges are, um, one is integration. We find... To use AI and machine learning at scale internally, you can't just simply remove a process and plug in something. It impacts multiple processes, and so you have to make much deeper uh, systems changes within your organization, so that's a big issue. The second is much simpler, to, but, but actually is a big roadblock, which is explainability. When you talk to your board, when you talk to your investors, you want to be ex able to explain what this model does, what this does, what it does does, and when, when you talk to your manager. And if, if the model becomes too complex, which loses the explainability, that is a big barrier. Yeah, so in our experience, it's um, a, a big barrier is, is traditionally the um, inability of the experts, the industry experts, to be able to command and communicate with the technology itself. Um, and, we, and we adopted design-driven development right from the very start because it was clear that usability and ease of functionality was going to be paramount for, for adoption. Um, but I think that um, certainly with some of the more sophisticated and complex um, uh, tools that are out there, bringing those to a level where they can actually harness the, the huge amount of intelligence of the, of the industry users um, is going to be one of their challenges for adoption. And I, and I would say it, an unfortunate one, I think, is probably the, the biggest impact, or unfortunate because there's nothing you can do about it, which is just time. Um, every idea has its time. That's why oftentimes in in science, you'll see uh, different people 
doing disconnected work will come up with the same scientific discovery or insight, a huge one, at the same time. And it's just because the, the information, the expertise, all the stuff out there sort of spontaneously leads to the, the aha moment, the epiphany. And uh, it's clear that, generally speaking, now is AI's time. And within that, it just needs that uh, incubation period in order for the right, the right insights to happen, the right eureka moments to happen that will fully unleash it. And so it's really just a matter now of waiting for it to, to happen. I, I think I would pick on something that you actually said, Steve, which is um, AI delivering on its promise. So I would agree with what some people said here. It's largely education. So maybe the, the promise is like a silver bullet when in reality it's going to take time and work to you know, start with business opportunities and develop solutions as opposed to having a problem and trying to sprinkle some AI on top. I think that's a really, really big barrier. Okay. Well, I think we're right about on time now. Do you want to do questions? or I know that we're running behind, but so why don't we, um, we'll all make sure that we are outside for the next few minutes um, to take any questions if people happen to have them and let them kind of try and stay on track with the schedule here. But thank you very much, guys. It was a great discussion. Um, appreciate you guys joining and, and pitching in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to InsureTech Bytes, the podcast for the future of insurance. We want to know what's on your mind, so tweet us at InsureTech Rising. <laughs>